Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bible. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Good to be with you. Always look forward to the privilege of preaching to the future leaders of uh, Christianity and uh, look forward to how God's going to use you all in the future. And uh, I like coming down here. I, love, I like looking out in the crowd and seeing folks from our church, uh, folks on my staff. <laughs> and uh, it's good. And to see your faces, uh, I... Uh, I like coming down. I appreciate Pastor and all the influence this college has had on my life. I don't know about you, but there were times in my college career where I thought there's no way I'm going to make it through this. Ever had that thought? All right. Well, we've all been there. Okay, so just know it'll get worse before it gets better. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. We're in verse 18 this morning. I want to preach a message to you on the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm finding that this, uh, in my ministry and in my life that uh, uh, being a good person isn't a bad idea, but God doesn't want good people. He wants spiritual people. And uh, God doesn't want good college students. He wants spiritual college students. He doesn't want good church leadership. He wants spiritual church leadership. And I am finding that really one of the missing ingredients in spirituality today is the Spirit himself. And I want to talk about him today and uh, really explain to you just some simple truths that I think will be helpful as you engage your college career, many of you engage your ministry careers, and uh, as you look forward into your future. And uh, if you're planning on being a husband or a wife someday, uh, you'll realize that without the Spirit of God, your home will be a train wreck. And uh, you might not think that right now. Trust me, <laughs> it'll be a train wreck. And uh, you, need, you need the very spirit of Jesus in your home. So really, the, the truth I'm teaching is not just a ministry truth. It's not an evangelism truth. It's a truth for the home. And I want to give you some help. And it's, it's it, it, you know, you're not, you don't have a home yet, but you do have a college, you know, uh, dorm students, and you got a roommates, and you got, you know, all that. And you need the spirit of God to interact well with your roommates and your teachers and all that stuff. So you got to learn here, Okay. Ephesians 5, verse number 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now, I am not one of these in-depth guys, but today uh, I'm going to try my hand at being slightly intellectual, okay? And I'm from up north Wisconsin. I grew up in Milwaukee, which didn't help me at all. Uh, <laughs> and then I moved up north, which didn't help me a whole lot anymore, but uh, I'm going to try my best. Uh, I preach primarily applicational, and you'll find that out. But I like uh, to dig into truth because when you dig in, you actually will pull something out that will help you apply it. And we're going to do that today. So let's pray together, and then we'll get started. Now, Lord, we realize today that there's a, there's a need for spiritual people. And, Lord, we need spiritual young men and women who are on fire. And, Lord, we know that you are the one who make your ministers a flaming fire. And Lord, the simplicity of the truth today can be that very spark that ignites the fire of God in a very community or a people group or in a church planning movement, Lord, or in a ministry somewhere or in a home. And Lord, I'm, I'm praying today that you would spark a fire today and that these young people would leave a flame, Lord, that they would know you personally, that it wouldn't be some some truth just out in front of them that they can't grab, but Lord, just the simplicity of it, it would be so helpful today. Spirit of God, be our teacher and our guide, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To be full or to be filled is to be normal. 
And really, if I were to ask you a question today, my question would be, are, are you a normal Christian? It's kind of an odd question, isn't it? My pastor, uh, when I first got saved, was just south of here. And he said that the gospel light attracts strange bugs. And there's a lot of strange bugs here today. So to ask if you're normal is kind of an awkward question because you're all really strange looking. <clears throat> you know, the world goes to great lengths to try to not be normal. I'm going to share a few things with you. I, I like saying things that jar people, so I'm going to do that right now. The, the world goes to great lengths to, uh, to not be normal. Uh, one of the great lengths that the world is going to to not be normal is to change their gender. Do you know that's not normal? To, to, to change from being who you are born as to somebody completely different or to nobody at all is really what it comes down to. Do you know there's over 60, I think it's 62 or 63 different gender identities out there today? I read my Bible and I see that God made them male and female, so I'm counting for two. Do you know that uh, that's not normal to completely change your gender, but it's happening? And by the way, it's not happening in the adult group. It's happening in your generation and younger. It actually starts mostly in elementary-aged children. That's pretty sick and twisted, but it is happening. You know, there's also this whole idea of being normal or, or going to Great Lakes to not be normal, that people are dressing up and acting and living like animals, specifically dogs. Now, I'm saying things that are jarring you, I hope, because that's not normal either. To live like a dog, to dress up like a dog, to eat food off the floor, to lay on the floor, to have a master who, uh, uh, who you obey, it's pretty crazy to me. That's really, it's not normal. Uh, <clears throat> there's other things that are happening in our world uh, that are not normal, and I will not, for sake of time, spend a lot of time in them, but you know Christians in many ways go to great lengths to not be normal. <laughs> You know, Christians go to some, some pretty amazing great lengths to not be normal, and, and I, I say this carefully, but, you know, in our neighborhood, at our, in our community, which is, again, it's up north, so it's a little strange, the water up there, it's a little funny color. It's not as bad as Flint, Michigan, but it is, you know, it is a little different. And uh, uh, um, our neighbors, when they come home from work, they, they actually walk across the street and talk to their other neighbors who just got home from work, and they visit with them. Isn't that strange? You know, we're the, we're the Christian family. We're looking out the blinds, right? Honey, the neighbors are home. Quick, come. They're going across the street. I think they're talking to people. It's unbelievable. The madness of our world. They actually talk to one another. We hide in our homes. Do you know it's not normal to hide in your house and not talk to your neighbors? That's not normal. Why do Christians do that? They wonder why the world thinks we're peculiar. You know, peculiar is not, does not mean uh, a social outcast. Do you know there's nothing more peculiar than people who, uh, uh, who uh, love Jesus with all their heart? That's a pretty peculiar thing. And those people talk to people about Jesus. But you know, uh, uh, one thing that Christians have gone to great lengths uh, to not be normal in is, is the whole concept of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's like we've totally sidelined him. We've totally taken him out of who we are and what we do. 
you know, when, when, we, when we go to our devotions, we pray, we, we read, read our Bible, uh, if God speaks to us, it's something that we got from the Bible. We're in a preaching service, God talks to us about something, and, and somehow we have these uh, light bulb moments that uh, happen, and, and oh man, that preacher communicated a truth to me, now I have this truth. Uh, the Spirit of God leads us to go and talk to somebody or give them a gospel tract, and, and, and we use these weird phrases like, I felt like I should just give this person a tract, or I sensed I should give this person a tract, so I, I did this thing. And, and really, we avoid completely the fact that it's the Spirit of Jesus talking to us, communicating to us, trying to help us in this Christian life. And today, in many ways, what I want to do is just present a simple truth that to be normal, a normal Christian you must be full of the Holy Ghost. And we need to really, at, at all costs, avoid uh, 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 neglecting him. He's a person, by the way. And he, he can be grieved. And we're going to get into some of that here this morning. But let me give you my first thought here. <clears throat> Your life uh, must be full of the Holy Ghost. Your life must be full of the Holy Ghost. This is not just a good idea. This is not uh, uh, just a, a, a concept that Pastor Weber is thinking about. If we're looking in our Bible at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18, uh, you're looking not just at some good concepts. You're looking at a command from heaven. But be, uh, be filled, uh, uh, verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. This is, a, this is a, a truth dynamic that all of you young people need to wrestle with. Are you filled with the Spirit? Do you know this is not some conceptual carrot in front of your face that God is dangling out there for you to, to spend your entire Christian experience jawing at? This is a truth that God is saying is, is essential to your Christian life. You live one day outside the presence of the Spirit of God, not being filled with Him. You are not right with God. Let's take a minute and, and look at this. The life of fullness is commanded here. Uh, the life of being filled. Uh, I don't, I'm, again, I'm not a great Greek scholar. You've already got those here at school, so I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to fumble my way through this here. But uh, uh, be filled is a verb. Okay? The idea of being filled is a verb. It's a present, passive, imperative. Now, those are three important statements for all our Greek scholars here. Okay, Present means right now. Okay, That's the best way I can say it. That's, that's my local language. Okay, Right now. <laughs> Catch that? It's that simple. So right now, you are to be filled with the, with the Spirit. Right now, presently, in every moment from here on out, that your life should be filled with the Spirit. This is a command. This is not a good idea. It's a holy obligation. You are to right now and at every moment in your life be filled with the Spirit. In fact, we find that being filled with the Spirit isn't some extraordinary thing that happened to the Christians in the New Testament. It was the way they lived their life. Can we say it this way? It was their habit to be filled with the Spirit. Some of you have amazing habits, like picking your nose. College students, trust me. I won't even tell you about the college students I see eat their boogers. Gross. You know the Spirit of God doesn't do that? He doesn't do that stuff. Here's another interesting habit, one we don't even really think about. It's called breathing. I like breathing, don't you? 
Do you know breathing is essential to life? That might be a mystery to some of you, but okay, we're all about unraveling mysteries here this morning, okay? You didn't know that your neighbor eats their boogers. Do you know the essential reality to the Christian life is being filled with the Spirit of God? The habit of the Christian life and the essential reality of a a Christian life that does something for Jesus Christ demands the filling of the Spirit of God. It's a present tense verb. Right now, are you filled with the Spirit? It's not only a present tense verb, it's also a passive verb. And I like passive verbs uh, because what that tells us is that the object of the verb, okay, receives the action. Okay, so you all are the objects and the action is filling and you are the object of the action. So God wants to fill you with his spirit. Now, one thing I found out about this, uh, this passage of scripture or this verb specifically or this passive verb is that there's a, a, what I understand from some of my Greek textbooks is that there's a nuance to this and maybe a debated nuance, but I think it works well in this context is that this passive verb demands, uh, it demands permission of the subject before the action of the verb can be imparted upon it. Okay, follow me. So Jesus is saying, right now, you need to be filled with the Spirit. But to be filled with the Spirit, not only do you need to receive the filling, but you have to give permission to the Spirit to do so. Yeah, it's important. Because God's never going to violate your will. And listen, if you want to go off in your class and into your studies and into your dorm room and into your ministry in the future and the power of the flesh, he's going to let you fall on your face because he's not going to violate your will. But if you want God to help you with that roommate who is the thorn in the flesh sent from the enemy, okay, then you step aside and you say, Lord, I need you right now, present tense, in this situation to fill me with your spirit. I want to yield to your leadership, and I'm giving you permission to take over and handle this problem that I've got. Now, Lord, you've got my hands and you've got my mouth, and I'm giving you my heart. Holy Spirit, I am yours, and I'm yielding to you. Will you please do something about this thorn that I've got here, my friend, now? (laughs) Passive, but it's also an imperative, and I think you get where I'm going with this, that it's a command. The idea of the imperative here means that it's a command from our superior. Not just a command from somebody who's less than us, but somebody who's above us, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who said that he's going to send the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. He's going to fill us. He's going to be inside of us. And... uh, Now we have to yield to him. Okay, this is a command from a superior. We're learning, as parents, that commands from uh, you know, somebody who's subordinate to you, like my oldest son gets a command from his younger sister, and he's not likely to obey that command. Okay, yeah. He laughs at her, and then she chases him and tries to beat him up. And usually she's successful, but anyway. <laughs> but when she comes with a command from mom and dad, it's a whole different tone. Mom and dad said it's time to go inside. And it's funny, he snaps too and gets cracking. Why? Because he understands that the imperative from the authority means something. It's not just a good idea. It's not just an opportunity to think through, well, I don't know, I like jumping on the trampoline. I don't need to go inside right now. Right now, you are to give permission to the Holy Spirit to have full control of your heart. 
Right now, you are not to waste any more time, which, by the way, is the context of this passage. We're to walk circumspect in this day and age. Listen, young people, we don't have a lot of time. You might think, I'm in college. I've got four more years of school, or some of you, seven more years of school, or some of you, 15 more years of school. Who knows what your plan is there? But you don't have a lot of time. Time's running out. And we need to be careful. We don't need to be foolish with these moments. Don't waste dinner table conversation or ministry opportunities on Sunday or an opportunity to pray with a classmate because you foolishly wasted time instead of being filled with the Spirit. The issue of fullness is not whether you have the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about that today. Okay? Should I back up for just a second and say, if you're today, if you're a child of God, and I assume in a Christian college, you're a child of God, the Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. I'm not trying to tell you you need to get something you don't have. You have the Holy Spirit. Okay, the issue of fullness is not whether you have the Holy Spirit. It's whether the Holy Spirit has you. Does he have you, and not part of you, all of you. <clears throat> Let me say something, another jarring statement. This is one you'll probably want to write down if you're a writer. If we have an obligation from the throne of heaven to be filled with the Spirit at every moment, to not be filled with the Spirit is a sin. Do you think God is content for you to live outside of the fullness of his spirit? And let me just say, the fact that he gives us an imperative, he's declaring that he is not content with that. Not for one second. Young people, let it sink in. We're talking about life-changing truth here today. Think about what the fullness of uh, of, of of the Spirit brings into your life. If you're with me, you're, you're tracking along to Galatians chapter 5. You're reading about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, okay? Doesn't our world <laughs> need a little bit more love? Doesn't your dorm room need a little bit more love? <laughs> Doesn't your classroom need a little bit more love? Doesn't your bus route need a little bit more love? Doesn't your Sunday school table need a little love? Not just a little. How about the love of Christ? How about the unconditional, sacrificial, unexplainable love of God? Did you know that you're obligated as a Christian to bring that to the table? Joy, not just any kind of joy, not just manipulated joy, true joy, the joy that comes from Jesus, which, by the way, our world is masterful at replacing what genuine joy is. Okay? Outside of God, there is no joy. Do you understand that, young people? Outside the presence of God, according to the Bible, there is no true joy. You can manipulate it however you want, but our world has mastered the perfect disguise for true joy, and they call it entertainment. Our churches have taken on the, the theme, and now they're doing it. You know, they're entertaining people instead of leading them into the presence of God. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. And without the Spirit of God, you do not have those wonderful things. I wonder if your uh, uh, dorm room or your life or your ministry or your future family would be different with peace. 
I wonder if your future life and ministry would be uh, uh, benefited by long-suffering. You know, the, the ability to take a great deal of punishment from evil people or evil circumstances uh, without losing your temper. Do you lose your temper? Are you short-wicked? It just takes a minute. A teacher gives you an assignment on top of the one that you already got and you're already frustrated and you're ready to bow out and get out of, get out of school. That's a manifestation of the flesh, my friend, not of the spirit. God doesn't lead you to do those things. God leads you, leads you to long-suffering, the ability to handle those moments. And it's when you're not allowing him, giving him permission to handle that moment that you step in and grab it. And in that moment, you have no choice but to get mad. Because that's what the flesh likes to do, because it's very selfish. How about gentleness, the ability to be merciful? Or goodness, is a, a, the generosity attributed only to God. Faith, meekness, temperance, idea of self-control. Some of you would do well with a little bit of self-control. Especially some of you who can't keep your finger out of your nose. Do you know uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we found, we found in the book of, New, uh, of the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we found that when the church was burdened down with all kinds of things happening, and there's a ministry of, of, of people that were not being ministered to, uh, uh, you know, the disciples said, look you out among you for men that could be a help in this situation. Do you know what one of the qualities of those men was? Full of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're ever wondering, why doesn't somebody call on me to do something, what question you need to ask is, am I full of the Holy Ghost? Uh, in the church ministry there in the book of Acts, chapter number 11, we find the church at Jerusalem is, is realizing that there's a Gentile church starting a couple hundred miles away in the town of... Uh, um, forget Antioch, is that right? And uh, they're going up there, and uh, they're finding out from people that there's a church starting from the disbursement that happened in Acts chapter number 8. The people went out, they're preaching the gospel, spontaneous church planning, uh, something that's wonderful, and I can't wait till we see it in Wisconsin. And uh, it's going to happen, by the way. I believe that's what Jesus' plan is for this day and age, that uh, it wasn't church leadership that planted the church. It was the Holy Spirit working through common, everyday people being dispersed by the Spirit of God to get out and do something. And uh, the church in Jerusalem, we're like, well, I can't believe this is actually happening. We're going to send somebody up there to make sure we know uh, that this is really from the Lord. And uh, who did they send? They sent Barnabas. Why did they send Barnabas? Because he was a good man, right? Yes. But he was full of the Holy Ghost. See, it wasn't that in this moment he was full of the Holy Ghost. It was Barnabas and Stephen and these people in their life. They lived a life continually obeying the commands of God, which means they had a habit of being under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He had control of their life. Now, <clears throat> I believe, and uh, I'm almost 100% convinced of this, and I would let pastor or anybody else correct me. Uh, I'm not some great theologian. I don't claim to be. But I'm going to say this because I, I think it's ultimately true. All sin and failure in the Christian life start with disobedience to this one command. Be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't get mad. The Holy Spirit doesn't 
uh, doesn't disobey the teachings of Jesus. The Holy Spirit speaks and leads us to do, he leads us into the ministry that is, is walking in the light. He leads us to the presence of God. And when we forsake him, we are wide open to anything. Listen, in a home, uh, bitterness and anger run rampant because dad's not filled with the Spirit. In your ministry, people, it's going to be a train wreck when you're not filled with the Spirit. Stop blaming your circumstances or the people or the education or the institution and start looking at your own life and questioning, am I filled with the Spirit? Am I responding correctly? Am I being long-suffering in this situation? Am I gentle? <laughs> is, this, is the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in my life? The Spirit-filled Christian will not necessarily be used of God to perform miracles in the realm of nature or do spectacular things in the realm of the Spirit, but will lead a normal, consistent Christian life. Without the Spirit, that would be impossible. Listen, we're not talking about flopping on the round, uh, around on the, on the ground barking like a dog. We're not talking about running crazy in the aisles and jumping around like mad people. We're talking about normal Christianity. That's absolutely impossible without the Holy Spirit. Are you full of the Holy Ghost? Because, friend, if you're not then you've got a big problem with God. Life of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit is commanded, but it's also very simple to access. And again, if you're a note taker, here's a good spot to take a few notes. That'll be real helpful for you. Because these are not complex things. I don't know about you, but I'm just a simple guy. Okay? Simple guy. I need simple answers. Uh, Ground level, right? I eat my cookies off the ground. Yeah, okay. That's where I like to get my good stuff, okay? I don't let my wife put it up high where I can't see it. I think I'm the only person who knows that the top of the refrigerator is dusty. <laughs> the life of fullness accessed. Here's the first one. I think I'm going to give you about four things that you need to know about how to access the filling of the Spirit. Number one, it's real simple. Confess that you're not. Do you know that, that all, all cleansing and all purity before the Lord starts with, starts with the evaluation of what is true? Hamalageo, saying the same thing as God. God, your command tells me to be filled with the Spirit, and I'm not. Big problem, God. And I'm coming to you today uh, realizing that this is my sin, like David said. This is my transgression. This is my issue. This is not your issue. This is my issue. I'm not filled with the Spirit. I'm often filled with myself. I'm very disobedient to these commands. I'm very self-satisfying. I, I don't often choose you. And, and when my roommate gets mad, then it's my turn to step in and do what I want to do. But I am not filled with the Spirit, God. And I've got a big problem, and I'm going to confess that before you right now. You know, that's called honesty. Honesty is a good thing in the Christian life, okay? Real good. It's really helpful, okay? You will uh, help Pastor Swanson right out of a job if all of you would just be honest. He doesn't need to be an investigator. He just needs to be, you know, the, the person who just deals out what needs to happen. So, some of you would so help your Christian life if you could just walk in and sit down in front of your counselors and just tell them, listen, this is what I'm doing wrong, and I just want to be honest. Take the guesswork out of it all. Just be honest. And that's all God's saying. Be honest. I'm not filled with the Spirit, Lord. Okay? 
he, he does not have control of my life. I don't let him speak through me. Uh, I, I, I don't give him freedom. I am not, I'm not a yielded vessel to his leadership. It doesn't happen. Number two, not only confess that you're not full of the Spirit, sub, uh, you have to then submit to the Lordship of the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is not an it or a force. He's a person. And he's God, by the way. Did you know that? He's not partly God. He, he is God. And according to James, it says to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? Real simple. Hupatasso, submit to God, means to get underneath. Okay? To stand under or station under. Station yourself under God. It's like if all of you got really scared right now, and you put yourself under your seat, which usually happens when I begin to preach my wife. If you're looking for her and you're missing her, she's usually stationed herself under her seat. I can't believe he's saying these things. I've got to hide. Okay? Okay? And hupatasso uh, there, to submit yourself is to station yourself under, which is the opposite of telling God what to do. You will never resist the devil, antihistamine, without the power of the Spirit of God in your life. Do you know what antihistamine is? Okay, it sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Antihistamine. Anybody with allergies in the room? You should know what antihistamine is. You know what Benadryl is. It's the same word, resist. You have no power, no, no uh, presence of God in your life when you're not under the, uh, under the fountain where the, where the blessing comes out. Okay? That's just the reality of it. You've got no power against the enemy unless you're under the power source. And if you are not yielded and underneath the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you've got no power. Don't wonder why there's no fruit in your life. Don't wonder why you can't have any power in the prayer meeting. Don't wonder why your Christian life is so abnormal it doesn't reflect even an ounce of what the Bible teaches about what normal is. You're not under submitted to the authority of the Holy Spirit. Number, uh, number three, confess, submit, claim. You know, one of the blessings of being a Christian is you have the understanding of Bible truth. The Spirit of God gives you understanding of Bible truth. That's one of the blessings that Paul was teaching to the Corinthians. He says, you know, the natural man can't receive the things of the, of the Spirit. They can't, he can't understand them. But as Christians, the Spirit of God lives inside of us, so he illumines us to truth. He turns that light on, right? And when the, when the Holy Spirit is turning a light on for many of you this morning, Lord, this is for me. This is not for the strange bug sitting next to me. This is for this strange bug. I need this truth, okay? Lord, not only do I need this truth, but you want me to be filled with the Spirit. And Lord, it's not some conceptual carrot in front of my eyes. It's a truth that is right here. Right here for me. Claim it to be true for you. Number four, receive. Every truth from the Spirit of God needs to be received. God's not working against your will. You have to willfully accept the gift. You know, I, I don't know about you. Uh, uh, I mentioned this. I was at a missions conference Saturday night. had the privilege of speaking to some of our friends at McGuanago. Some of you might be here today. But, uh, um, you know, there's a difference between hearing and receiving. Teachers know that really well. A lot of you sit there and hear, and the tests prove you did not receive. <laughs> Do you know salvation is indicative of hearing and receiving? 
Not only do you hear gospel truth, but you need to receive gospel truth to be saved. There's a lot of people that hear gospel truth and never get saved. They spend eternity separated from God. Do you know the truth we're talking about today? The promises of God not only need to be heard, but they need to be received. Yes, Lord, you want me to be filled with the Spirit. I'm asking and giving you permission to fill me. I'm presenting myself a living sacrifice. Holy Spirit, you've got my voice. Fellas, Holy Spirit, you've got my eyes. Ladies, Holy Spirit, you've got my makeup case. That was a joke. (laughs) But it's not. Holy Spirit, you've got my hands. Holy Spirit, you've got my time. Wouldn't so many of you be better off in class if you actually studied? Instead of wasting time? You actually took it serious? Holy Spirit, I'm yours. I want you to fill me. Because I'm sick and tired of wasting time. There's too many souls that need saving. There's too many things that need to happen. There's too much growing up that I need to do. (laughs) You're saying, but Pastor Weber, how do I know that I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, the same way that you know that you were saved. The Bible says, receive, uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever receives the Spirit of God, whoever believes the promises and receives the truth to be filled, you're filled. Okay? The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're his child, right? And if there's something in the way of his filling, he will tell you, which, by the way, will happen. He'll say, hey, listen, I don't like this activity in your life. I don't like this thought process. We've got to get rid of this. We've got to get rid of that. Get ready for those things because they're going to happen. Your life may change absolutely completely, and that would be good for some of you. And your confidence will come when you come into union with truth, no matter what your circumstances or your emotions tell you. I'm not telling you you need some crazy experience Most of us, this simple truth comes in the quiet uh, place of a faith decision in our closets sometimes. When all of a sudden somebody comes out of their prayer closet or out of their devotional time or out of a, a chapel time like this, it wasn't some wild, crazy experience. It was just a moment when they made a transaction and by faith, based on the simplicity of the truth, that all of a sudden, like, what happened to so and so? That's amazing. Well, they just simply made a, made a decision to submit to the Spirit of God. And they thanked him for it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me. It's just that simple. See, I like it simple, don't you? Not complicated. I'm not asking you to run around. I'm asking you to work. All I'm asking you is to make a decision of the will. Will you submit to the Holy Spirit? Now, you're going to wonder, Pastor Weber, what would happen if I submitted to the Spirit? What would happen? Well, Jesus would be glorified because that's what happens when the Holy Spirit has freedom uh, to be uh, the Lord of your life. When you, when you let him be the Lord of your life, let him lead you, let him guide you, let him teach you, he will lead you into the very presence of Jesus, and Jesus will get all the glory. That's his ministry. Jesus will get glorified. It'll be an exciting and amazing thing. You'll have some pretty miraculous answers to prayer. Some of you probably could need some of those things. If you ask me anything, I'll do it. Read John 14, 15, and 16. You'll you'll read some of that stuff in there. Pretty miraculous things. Like actually getting an answer to prayer may just be miraculous for you. And that'll happen when you submit to the leadership and the filling of the Spirit. Greater works. 
Exciting things that will happen in your life. Souls saved and going on for the Lord. Uh, remaining fruit in your ministry. These are all Bible truths that happen right there in the upper room discourse. Listen, folks, it's not a mystery. It's not for the intellectual elite. It's not just for the pastor or for the evangelist or for the missionary. Bible truth is for everybody. The disciples were, were sad and angry in many ways upset that Jesus was leaving in John 14. And Jesus says, don't be troubled. Oh, don't be troubled. Listen, it's expedient. And John 16 says, it's expedient that I go away. It's better for you. It's more profitable for you that I, that I go away. And the disciples didn't understand it. They'd given up their lives to follow Jesus. They'd thrown their jobs away, their families. They'd walked away from everything. They were social outcasts. They had nothing left. And here, this man that they just gave their life to is going away. And Jesus says, it's better for you now that I got to go. And they're like, what in the world? What are you talking about? Is it better? He says, because if I don't go, then, I, then, then he won't come. I'm going to send Another comforter. Another of the same kind. In fact, Jesus says, I'm going to come to you. See, we all envious of the disciples. I wish I could have been in the boat with Jesus. I, I wish I could have seen the miracles. I, I could have been there to grab some of the bread at the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, it would have been wonderful. You got a better, better, better opportunity today. Because Jesus isn't here. He's here. And he's comforting, guiding, teaching, doing miracles, interceding, answering prayer. The problem is, is we're not letting him do those things in our life. We're too busy about us. Are you a normal Christian? Are you normal? Are you going out of your way to be abnormal? Let's pray.